Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome, everyone, to Bannering the Blue Shirts. As always, I'm your host, Tom Merch Jr., and making his awaited return, the master of disaster, the king of sting, the one, the only, Mike Murphy. How's it going, Mike? I missed you. The king of sting, Tom. I mean, that's a lot. I'm doing okay. Uh, Big thanks to you, and of course to Adam and Shana as well for... Uh, you know, carrying the load while I was gone. Um, I didn't, I haven't really made a big deal of this. Um, I've just been super busy. Um, one with work and two, someone very close to me was recently diagnosed with, uh, breast cancer and just been figuring out life a bit, uh, trying to be good and supportive and all those things. Uh, it goes without saying that cancer is a real asshole and can go fuck itself. Um, fuck but, cancer. You know, been hanging in there getting as much sleep as I can and you know it seems like every time I was like Tom this is the one night I can maybe do the podcast it was a night where you couldn't do it and of course a little thing called the trade deadline came and went while uh, while this was going on so I'm glad to be back and thanks again for for carrying the load for me buddy yeah I'll do I'll always do anything and everything I can for you Mike uh, it's uh, glad to have you back and yeah, like, I think that's a good place to start because I'm sure that you have some extended thoughts um, on, on the trade deadline. So the the floor is pretty much yours, um, however you'd like to you start, whether it's what they did, what they didn't do. It's uh, all yours, my friend. Yeah, sure. I mean, I got to listen to you and Adam and Shana talk a lot about the deals. And of course, I mean, I guess I'll start with the Kreider contract. I was genuinely surprised that he re-signed, but given how the last couple of deadlines went, Tom, I thought to myself, if he didn't get moved, you know, two or three days before, the likelihood that he would re-sign was actually increasing in my head. Like, they were, it felt to me like the Rangers were not you know, they weren't, they were going to keep the door open to re-sign him as long as possible. And I definitely have anxiety about, you know, Chris Kreider being here in his mid-30s, but I I really don't have a lot of issue with the cap it. It's just a term. Um, but, you know, he's, I mean, is there any better example of what he needs to this team than how they've looked without him uh, the last couple oh, of years? Oh, yeah. And, uh, Seriously. Getting their asses handed to them by Elaine Vigneault's uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's it was a big deal. And, of course, you know, all the trades we talked about, right? We were talking about, like, oh, they got to move Jesper Fast. Maybe they move Ryan Strom. Maybe they move D'Angelo. 
And what do they do? They move Joey Keane and they move, uh, you know, Brady Shea. Two moves I don't think anyone outright predicted, um, even though I know some people were kind of hoping the Rangers would, would move on from Shea. But it's interesting with Shea, of course, because he was the best defenseman on the left side, uh, you know, left-handed guy who's most comfortable on the left side in the organization. And he gone. And Joey Keane... Uh, you know that I had a, you know, I fell deeply in love with Joey Keane. It was a brief affair, Tom. Uh, our love was, it was like a, a gasoline Passionate. fire. Yeah, it was, uh, it was lighter fluid hitting, hitting the Weber grill. It was a big plume of fire, and then before I knew it, he was gone. Um, so far, I, I like what I've seen from Julian Gauthier. I just hope he's ends up being not just a... A big guy who can skate well. I'd like to see him show some more of that hockey IQ that I think was the biggest strike against him. Um, he hasn't had a ton of opportunity to make a big impression yet. Of course, I, I was rooting for him so hard on that penalty shot, by the way. Uh, yeah. Like, God, it would have been nice. Um, especially because he was covered in snow from the ice. It would have been great. But yeah, uh, that was a big one to me. I All, all things considered, I, I like it just because of the log jam on the right side. And I also think, I don't know if you also believe this, I just think Niels Lundqvist will be in the equation next season. Um, yeah, it, it certainly feels that way. He's just been so good, and his game has developed just the way they want it to, and his development, frankly, made it so, like, not to mention, you know, everything else going on with the Rangers' defensive prospects. Keandre Miller and Niels Lundqvist are like, that's two guys who could be here next year, so trading away from a position of strength, especially on the right side with Joey Keane, to get a young forward who has offensive upside, who's proven he can score in the AHL. And Gauthier, I like a lot. Um, I just would love, you know, really I'd love to see down the stretch him get a little more ice time and an opportunity. But I guess that brings us to the Brady Shea trade, Tom. I'm still wrapping my head around the Brady Shea trade. Yeah, it's... uh... It's something that's still taking time to sit in as I sort of, you know, every time I scroll through Twitter and it, whether it's, you know, someone uh, sharing highlights or it's, you know, the Canes fans that I follow talking about the acquisition or just the constant reminder of seeing Mark Stahl on the ice, not knowing what he's doing to realize, oh, yeah, he's there because Brady's gone. So, yeah, there, there's that. Yeah, that is a big, a big reveal of this is how much... Like, Brady Shea at times definitely didn't look great. I think he looked good to very good. And, like, for the most part this season, I liked what I saw. You know, he's just one of those guys you expected the world from because of his toolkit. You know, the size, the skating, and his ability to make plays when he gets down below the circles at times. But, like, I don't hate getting away from that contract. And, frankly, if the Rangers were going to extend Kreider they needed to do something. Um, I, I wrote about, uh, I know another topic we want to touch on is is whether or not there's room for Jesper Fast in the future of this team, but like looking ahead at next season's roster, Tom, apparently uh, the six million plus in dead cap space from the Kevin Shattenkirk buyout, which I know is my favorite dead horse to, to hit with a, a Louisville slugger, is a problem, or it will pose a problem, especially when it comes to Jesper Fast. So, you couldn't have Kreider and Shea, and I don't know. Like, uh, Brianna had an article about, like, you know, 
D'Angelo and it's tough like you know I, I helped her do some quick research on that article and looking at some recent uh, defensemen uh, contracts and defensemen who score points Tom they're not cheap um, especially if they're just entering their prime they're really the opposite of cheap and that is a big a big question mark on this team that of course everyone right now talks about the uh, you know the Henrik Lundqvist future and how that's become the the big story along with Chris Kreider's broken foot but uh, to circle back on Shea and to you know add my thoughts to it because I wasn't here to to share everything I all things considered I like it I think it it more than anything the way I, I thought of the trade was the defense will look so different not like next year we'll start to see it even more but two years from now you have Stahl off the books Tom you have Brendan Smith off the books and so the only guys under contract beyond that are Adam Fox who will be on the last year of his ELC and of course Jacob Truba so by getting Brady Shea off the books you will suddenly have a lot more wiggle room a lot like a lot more not just roles but money to play with and all like chances are very good this will be a really young defense and the two highest paid D will be Truba and D'Angelo by the time we get there and you know I don't know there might be something else that happens but of course the big question now is you know what the hell happens on that that the left side from here on in and I think Carolina was really hungry to go for it this year, and especially with Dougie Hamilton down. I'm really surprised it was them, actually, that that made this deal. And I don't know. I know you've already talked about all this to death, but it's it really fascinates me. And I should say this. I remember last year, it was, it was a big point that so few first-round picks actually got moved last year, remember? And the yeah. Rangers got one of them in the Kevin Hayes trade. And, of course, then they, they traded that back to Winnipeg to get Truba. But getting a first-round pick at this year's deadline was also pretty solid. I know it's going to be super late. Um, and the Rangers pick could be, you know, not exactly early, uh, depending on how things finish up here. But it's I'm glad they got one, um, especially because they, you know, they don't have their second-round pick. Um, you know, and I think they have the two thirds. Uh, the other one from is part of the Zuccarella return from Dallas. So I don't hate going into another draft at the tail end of this, you know, the rebuild part of the build with another pick. But I will say this, Tom, I wish they sold a little bit more. I don't think, you know, I the other I was also to be fully candid I was waiting to see what the return for Nemesnikov was and he got a fourth round pick so you know the Rangers didn't miss anything spectacular there but I still still contend Tom they missed the boat on his trade value by miles and miles Um, but to just finish off what I was saying yeah crazy deadline I wish they had sold Jesper fast Um, and the reason being is there's nothing that says you can't get him back in free agency. And, you know, the other part of that is I, I'm i leaning towards, you know, for a little while, uh, you know, before I took my little leave of absence, I was 
kind of on the bandwagon for give Ryan Strom a one-year deal and let Filipito figure it out. I kind of wish the Rangers moved him and just got things rolling with the kids next year. That's where I that's where I stand now. And it's not just because he recently had a brutal game against the Flyers, but just for a little bit more flexibility, um, you know, and, and what they do. I think he's what is he? He's an RFA, and you know, you have to figure out his contract and D'Angelo's contract. And it goes without saying that D'Angelo is a more valuable hockey player, and you know, he's also a couple of years younger. So I kind of wish they moved Strom. I really wish they moved Fast, as much as I love him, and. I'm surprised it was Shea, and I'm surprised Kreider's still here. Yeah, I mean, to sort of put a bow on uh, a couple of things you said, it's interesting from the perspective of while the return for Shea, and you said it's a first could be uh, a late one, while you know it's the exception and not the rule, Nils Lundqvist was uh, a late first selection, so they have that going for them. Um, Fost, it sounds like they want to keep him around, and I'd be interested to see if they're working on an extension, one that is team-friendly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's something to think about because maybe the return wasn't there for, for Faust and you wouldn't want to sell him for um, no reason. But yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how they approach the draft because, you know, as we've seen over the last few years, the Rangers are able to, or at least so far, um, they've hit on some of the later ones, whether it's Heedle, Keandre Miller, um, we mentioned Lundqvist, um, and there's always the potential that if things you know go to hell in a handbasket for the um, the Hurricanes, um, you know maybe that pick and and the Leafs. I think that would have to happen too. For basically, it would be a situation where Carolina would have to give us this year's pick rather than um, deferring or some some. I know there were some like conflicting um, conditions, like if Toronto finishes in the lottery or yeah. whatnot, but. Regardless, they'll they'll have an asset, no matter where it is. And again, they'll have that and the Rangers pick. So who's to say that they don't try and um, you know bundle them both with something and move up? But um, yeah, especially because the other I didn't even mention this. Uh, Georgiev still here, but I think yeah. I I expected that given you know Shane and I have been talking about it all season um, like goalie trades. At the deadline are super duper rare. They're m- much more frequent, much more common on the draft, on draft day, and like uh, I think a bundle package not dissimilar to you know the Derek Stepan trade. You know where Auntie Ranta was a part of that trade, of course. Um, but I would imagine that Georgiev would kind of be the primary piece in whatever bundle there is to you know maybe get into who knows maybe another pick in the first round. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting, though. I have a quick question for you, since you brought up Gorgiev, and sure. this is only something that I've thought about recently. Do you think that there is a world that exists which sees not only Gorgiev depart the team in the offseason, but Henrik Lundqvist as well? Do you see any potential reality that both leave and then it's um, Shashirkin and 
you know, insert random NHL veteran uh, goaltender. Yeah. Well, first, Tom, the universe is infinite. It's constantly expanding and infinite, so... Yes. You know what I mean. Uh, but actually, I do. I do think that could happen. I think, you know, I know we weren't planning on getting into this, but it is a huge storyline right now with, you know, how on Henrik Lundqvist's birthday is when we're recording this, by the way. Happy birthday to Hank and, and to Joel. Um, you know, and Joel Lundqvist is the lesser twin, but frankly, not a bad twin to be a lesser twin of. I mean, he's still a handsome devil and a very good hockey player. Uh, it's it's crazy to me that the Rangers have handled the Lundqvist situation this poorly. Um, it makes me wonder if... I would love... You know what I would love to do, Tom, is go back into, let's say, um, you know, like, right around April, May, June, and to know what... If there was any talk about moving Georgiev before the season based on how confident they were in Igor to kind of avoid some of this and to tell Igor, like, you know, you're here and you're going to be the backup and then it'll be less, it'll just be one less moving piece in the whole carousel there. Because, like, looking back at it, Tom, Igor made it like a seamless transition to the AHL. And then he didn't miss a beat once he got the call-up. Like, who knows, he may have had, you know, more of a, a stumbling start if he had to start at the NHL level, but I don't know. It's crazy to me. But I do think it is it is really possible because I do think Lundqvist is really being challenged um, personally by what's going on. And, like, just not getting starts. You know, Igor was, of course, named the number one by, by David Quinn. And then, of course, the car accident, uh, which I also wasn't here for, which, thank goodness, that wasn't more serious. And whoever that guy was that took that illegal U-turn, you're a real piece of work. Um, but seriously, I hope everyone was okay. But I think it was a Connecticut driver. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, the home of Joe Fortunato, I should mention. Um, what but, kind of car does Joe drive? Oh, shit. I don't know. Just kidding. It's a serious matter. Very serious, yeah. From everything I've heard, no one was seriously hurt, and that's that's good news. I know, exactly. I know, I know Butch was pretty shaken up, and frankly, I would be too. Um, but it, I do see that world, Tom, where like, the Rangers do have to consider what to do with Hank, but I do think if Hank is like, listen, I want out, and... I know there's some scuttlebutt and and some rumors, some some you know whispering behind your hand about like buyout for Lundqvist. I know it's really hard to find a way to fit his contract on another team's salary cap, but I mean you can retain up to fifty percent, right? Is that that's the hard rule? Yeah, I mean theoretically, if the Rangers wanted to get super creative, they could inherently do a three-team trade where it's 50 25 25 um and i mean part of of, yeah yeah, but here's the thing and i you know i don't want to doubt him at all because i think that he's played a lot better than he's gotten credit for but is there the potential that there may not be many teams out there who want him or rather let me reframe that 
maybe the teams that he'd be interested in playing for would not have interest in him. Because at this point, I think the frustration comes from not playing. And he may have in his head that I want to play at least 40 games. And I don't see many markets out there outside of teams who are um, up shit's creek when it comes to having a goaltender being in a position to give him that. So all, all well, the Rangers could say, you know what, Hank, we're going to give you permission to talk to any team you want, see what the interest is, and if it really comes down to money, we'll figure out a way to get you there, whether it's by buyout, whether it's by trading him to another team with an asset to say, hey, we're giving you this for a seventh-round pick so that you buy him out and we're free of all of the money, and then he's going to go and sign with anyone he wants. Um, I could see that sort of you know cap chicanery, but yeah. is there a spot for him? And I, I really don't know. I've looked at this, and it seems to me that he may have a, a situation where he thinks he's going to play more than teams may actually want him to. You know, like before... Everything fell apart for San Jose and everyone got injured. Um, I would have said to you, like, I don't see why they don't try and work something out with the Sharks. Like, he's best buddies with Eric Carlson. Um, you know, that's a, a veteran team full of guys who want to go for a cup. Um, but, of course, that was my thoughts. Those were my thoughts, like, two months ago. And, of course, now, you know, Marlowe's in Pittsburgh and, you know, it's all just a, a flaming... A flaming pile of crap for the Sharks. Like, they're just done. Um, and I know there's, you know, another team that is a maybe is, you know, like, Washington. Um, like, why doesn't Hank consider going to Washington? Or can the Rangers find a home for him there? Because, you know, Washington is one of the better teams in the league that has had kind of, you know, I think, obviously this is not the best way to measure goaltending, but... I did a very quick cursory look at, you know, goals against average in the league this year. And among teams with good records, Washington, you know, is one of the higher goals against averages. Uh, but they also have Ilya Samsonov, who's the future. And, you know, they could very, very easily move on from, you know, Braden Holtby. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, and you know what? I, it's probably the right decision because... I got to tell you, Tom, it's not Rangers related, but I still shake my head at that TJ Oshie contract. No one, no one else really talks about that one, but that one has mystified me for a long time. I think him winning a Stanley Cup kind of smooths over that, which inherently them letting Holtby go. It's like, you know what? You backstopped us to a cup. Um, it, it, I think winning winning a championship in many ways uh, like cures all, all ails in that yeah. you can just sort of operate from a perspective of, you know what? We don't really want to do this, but we need to move in a different direction. And if you want to complain, I get it. But, you know, we'll always have our Stanley Cup, you know. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll always have Paris type of thing. Yeah, Rangers fans are not even grumpy at Mike Keenan for just, you know, bouncing right after he won the Cup. Because, fuck it, he won the Cup. Um, amongst, you know, Messier leaving for Vancouver and coming back. It's like, ah, yeah, he got the Cup. Okay, we're good. 
As um, a side note, um, sorry to cut you off. No, like no, the no. the Canucks have had their like 50th anniversary stuff this year, and they had this whole like captaincy thing, and it's like everyone's just I guess collectively agreed to say yeah, Vancouver Mark Messier. What what is that? Like, did that actually thing happen? It's just hilarious to me. Uh, I saw like they a couple of people. Oh yeah. Hate oh yeah, for good reason. Uh, you know, the whole way it's sort of like how Linden got pushed out, and you know, getting the captaincy, um, in in the whole thing. But it's just like there are things that happen, and it's just like we're not going to pretend that like this didn't happen. But I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. But it's you're right though. Like I know you said you were looking at this, and you know I talked about San Jose and Washington. It's really hard to find a. Even with the shik- like the you know salary cap chicanery like you're talking about, like it's really hard to find a way to fit him in. Even if you just say, you know, it'll be four million. Um, you know, it's it's tough. You have to find a team that because it only really makes sense, Tom, if it's a team that says we're one or two pieces away from being a real cup contender. We want it. Um, and so you think of teams that are, you know, among the best in the league, and almost all of them have their goaltending situation figured out, or they have a young guy in place. Like, going right down the list, like Boston, they have it sorted out. St. Louis, they have it sorted out. Tampa, done. Um, you know, the Capitals, I don't know. Like, Colorado is another one that it's like, okay, maybe, um... Like, you know, with between Grubauer and Pavel, Pavel Francu, but, you know, do they need Hank? I don't think they need Hank. The Flyers right. have Carter Hart. Dallas has Ben Bishop. Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they've had, oh my gosh, why is this, is Tristan Jari, is, is right? Yeah, Jari and, and Murray. Yeah. In, uh, in, yeah. In, Tristan Jari has, like, had an amazing runaway year I know from fantasy hockey um, you know it's funny how fantasy hockey can keep you abreast of things but Vegas has a goalie they're good uh, Hank would never go to the, the island um, but the Islanders are set with Orlama here's one what about Boston because Halak's a free agent after this year so you have Tuka and Hank I mean like I don't know I mean it's it's a part of this is it's like it's finding finding a spot for him but if there were ever a spot and i guess what's interesting is rask is sort of used to the um the splitting of starts it seems like the and he's gonna be in the last year of his contract next year although i could see how you know i don't know I, i just think that's a potential interesting one because if you're thinking about it from a um a living perspective to uproot from New York to Boston isn't the biggest um, move in the world. He'd still be on a very good contender. Um, and this, this, this hypothetical would be like if he was bought out or if there was some salary retention involving a couple of teams, because I know Boston's going to be um, up against the cap. And while I think they'd love to keep Halak, I can imagine him being one of these guys who I'm going to be, I want to be a starter again, gets paid in free agency. So that's, that's a potential interesting one. Well, that is interesting. And like looking at Boston, they could have a little bit of room to play with. The big question is Tory Krug's contract because he's still, yeah, 
He's still a pending UFA, but everyone expects him to resign there. It would be shocking if he didn't. But his contract might also start at like, you know, $7 million or $7.5. Like, does Char play another year? That could free up a little bit of room for them. But you also have to re-sign, what is it, Matt Grizzlick? Is that how I say that? I, I don't know if everyone else says it that way. And, DeBrusque. Uh, Jake DeBrusque will not be cheap. Um, yeah. So, maybe no, that, that is a good point you bring up about Tuca being kind of, kind of familiar with that, that, that whole 1A, 1B timeshare thing. Because, like, Boston has been unafraid to go with the hot hand um, even as, you know, even when Hudobin was there, remember, like, if it was, it, it was Anton Hudobin, or, and then more recently with Yaroslav Halak, like, whoever is the hot goalie gets to start for a while. Um, everyone knows it's kind of Tuka's job come playoff time, but also, you know, I can see that happening. It's just a question of, and also the Rangers do have a good little trade history with Boston, of course, and the Jeff Gordon connection is there as well. Um, a, a bit of an inside track there, but it's. It does, I still think it would be tight. It'll also be. Does Boston feel like they need to do it? Like, do they feel like Lundquist would be an upgrade over Halak or anyone else they could find? I don't know if they have a goalie in their system that's kind of nipping. I know. I've seen the name Daniel Daniel Vladar for a while. I just don't know where his game is at right now. Right. And I think it's in a way, if this were to happen, I, I look at it almost it's not the same, but Tampa Bay was aggressive at the deadline and they paid a premium for um whether it was Coleman or Goudreau because they had such a finite amount of space and that was sort of the best values they could get at that price. Um, but I look at Rask. So going back to 14, 15, 70 games, then the next year, 64, the following 65, 17, 18, only 54 games played uh, last year, only 46 games played. And this year he's played 38. Um, so I could maybe see it. Is it likely? I don't think so. But of the um, teams that would probably fit, you know, area Hank would want to live, team that can contend, team where he could potentially play around 40 games, give or take. And the cup. And, All that matters yeah. to Hank will be the cup. Right. Which, if that were the case, I would say, all right, Hank, you know, just force your way to Tampa. Um, but I don't know if that would happen. Although that would be pretty funny, like in a, not in a funny ha ha way, but a funny, like, Oh wow. All of these Rangers force their way to Tampa and that or end up in Tampa and they finally win a championship together. But yeah. Um, on that note, because I think we've said everything we want to say about this. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say uh, here, Mike? No, let's go. Let's go ahead and ad break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Just like that, we're back. And that music that you heard coming out of the break, uh, I had asked Johnny Moore, who he does the uh, the intro and the outros for our show, I'd asked if he could make sort of like a coming back from break music. And the, oh. in, the inspiration I gave him, I said, hey, can you make something like this? Is it's that scene from Slapshot where Reg Dunlap is walking back into the arena and he hears Lady of Spain playing on the organ and he runs up and he's like, don't you ever play Lady of Spain again. And that was something that always made me laugh. And I actually used that um, that entire sequence. I just ripped it off from YouTube when I was doing college radio and there were really no regulations for copyright and all of that such thing. But obviously I can't do that now. Um, so, yeah, I hope you uh, enjoyed that. Uh where do you want to go next, Mike? I, I'm deferring to you because I haven't gotten to talk to you in a while in this setting, so I just kind of want to let you, you know, do your thing. Well, well, first I want to say I'm sure I'm going to lose a bunch of listeners here, but I I just can't get into Slapshot, especially in, you know, the great conversation with other hockey fans eventually ask about your favorite hockey movies. But I'll save this one. I'll save the rest of this discussion for the off-season time where... You and I can dig into sure. hockey movies and hockey video games and things of that ilk. And cool. The, the long list of hockey books that I have piling up to read over the summer. Oh God, um, me too. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting up there, folks. It's it's at four and climbing, and God, I haven't had time to read. Um, Not to brag, but my stack's a little bit bigger. <laughs> well, you just bragged. You know what I did today, by the way, Tom? I got a new pillows came in the mail from Amazon. Good and, shit. And I went to rip off the tag uh, from the pillow, and I ripped the tag off and busted the stitches on the side of the pillow. <laughs> How many pillows do you sleep with? I am a two-pillow guy, um, but I can sleep with an infinite number of pillows. Yeah, so I have... an. an I'll be interested to see how many uh, people are similar or like, wow, Tom, you're a fucking maniac. Um, so <laughs> I, I have like a um, body pillow that I lay across my headboard. Then I have uh, one pillow that's sort of firm. And then I have a pillow on top of that. So theoretically it's like three pillows. Yeah. And, th- and then I have another pillow that, um, I just sort of keep on the side so I don't roll. And then I have another one that's really soft <laughs> that I, I squeeze like a teddy bear. Right, and so I sleep like a fucking champ. And I love it. What is that, five? Yeah, it's five. I once had six, but I have to kick one out of the bed because I don't want to, like, suffocate myself. Yeah, see, I I love a, like, a super dense foam pillow. 
I I don't have any time for pillows that feel like they just have like a beach towel in them. They just flop around. I mm-hmm. need something with substance. But I'm a I'm one of those people I could sleep anywhere. Um and you know, I I've I can very I could pull off one pillow fine. If all things considered if I had my brother's time, I would have a, a weird little nest like you, but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of work. I, I'm just a big... I always want blankets on me. I just want to be buried in comfort. How many um, blankets? Well, it's got to be at least two. And if uh, all things considered, I'd like it to be three. And the problem is I run hot. So they got to be specific. they got to be breathable, Tom. They can't be can't be too stuffy. Yeah. Daddy's, Daddy's got to feel cool in bed. Um... <laughs> so, oh, I know. You know where we should go is: Are the Rangers fucked because Chris Kreider's foot is broken? Um, do they make the playoffs or not? Yeah, that's because it's it's bad, Tom. Um, it's bad. I mean, the word I would use here is bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm of two minds of this. Um, I think that, I mean, if you look at it, the Rangers effectively have played without Chris Kreider this year, where he was in the lineup, but he wasn't really doing much. Uh, So that isn't really new to them. What is new is that he was on such a fucking roll, and then he goes out. Um, But I guess what I like about this is that it is really sort of battle-testing them to the point that, okay, guys, um, this is what life is like when... uh, you know, stuff happens because, relatively speaking, you look around the league, like there have been some teams decimated by injuries. The Blue Jackets, the Avalanche, uh, now Carolina a bit. Uh, you know, Toronto's had their fair share. Where the Rangers have been pretty lucky, um, with the most major being that month they were without um, Zibanejad. Um, so now they've had... You know, whether you consider Shashurkin and you consider Butcher's out for uh, a couple games and now Kreider. So I think that it is definitely a huge loss because the KZB line was just plugging along and it was giving them another line that could control the puck and generate chances because the alternative is the, uh, you know, Panarin line. And I say it that way because really it's as goes Panarin, as goes the line, and, and most nights the uh, the Rangers. So I think that this stretch of games was going to challenge them regardless. How much the not having Kreider impacts remains to be seen because I think you would admit that there are times where you've had only Artemi Panarin really shouldering the load and sure. the Rangers have been able to get on. Um, but yeah, it, it's really an opportune, especially they dropped the two games they, where they needed to win at least one and to have Vancouver blow their game against Columbus. Um, you blow it. Oh, by the you way, blew sorry, it. For the it, sorry for the racket. If you folks heard that my, the upstairs neighbors of my apartment. It sounded like they were moving industrial mining equipment, or, or the corpse of a recently uh, killed black rhinoceros. It was it was a lot of noise. Um, here's the thing, Tom. Even when Kreider was a little bit like, not 
impactful in terms of doing those Chris Crowder things we know and love. He was better than Phil DiGiuseppe. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, well, yeah, I mean, and it's tough he's because... He's a super, super tough player to replace, which I think is why, frankly, the Rangers resigned him. Is He's just so... He's such a unique weapon. Like, such a unique asset to to the team in terms of, like, size, speed, you know, the ability to finish, and, you know, pretty defensively responsible, all things considered. And, you know, I don't... I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, especially while I wasn't on the show. You know, I would just keep getting ideas for stuff we could talk about. And I thought, you know, when we do our, you know, retrospect about what happened over this season, I wanted to kind of go over things we got wrong in one show. You know, like, reflecting on, like, what shit we got wrong. And I remember at the beginning of the season, I talked a lot about how I think the Rangers will not be a playoff team, but I think they'll finish outside of, you know, a lottery pick. And the Rangers have been better than I thought they would be, but it's pretty much because of Artemi Panarin. Like, which is why you're, you're very vocal, uh, drum-beating that he deserves the heart and that great article you had today makes perfect sense. Why, thank sense. you. But, like, no, to me, if you look at just... If you judge by which player is the most essential to the team's success, and, of course, the answer is technically always a goaltender, but, you know, the MVP doesn't go to goalies. It's got to be Panarin. If you look at his 5-on-5 five five numbers especially, it's insane how valuable he is. I know I know how many goddamn points and goals Leandre Seidel has. I know. I know. I know how good Nathan McKinnon is. I know. But Panarin has been just stupid good. And he's been playing primarily with Reinstrom and Jesper Fast recently. So uh, I don't know what more you could ask of anyone. I think I think it's safe to say that Dreisaitl and uh, McKinnon have better options around them. Um, but yeah, the... Holy smokes, man. Like, the Rangers have... You know, when I was talking about things we got wrong, I was like, yeah, they're a little bit better than I thought they'd be, and that's primarily because Panarin is just so damn good. But the other thing about this team is that they are just that one injury away from being a team that is really screwed, in my opinion. Um, I mean, we talked about this a ton, remember, before the season began, and even last season with the center depth in particular. Like, Zibanejad gets hurt, and it's... It's you just slam the alarm and it's just panic time because you don't have anything. Like if this team missing one of its very few legitimate top six forwards is brutal. It's truly brutal. And it definitely doesn't help that who I think is probably the best goalie on the team right now, Igor Shesterkin, is out too. Not great. And you, no matter which way you cut the Brady Shea trade, you made the team worse. Right? Like, it would be crazy if the Rangers made the playoffs and they dealt their best left side defenseman. Yeah. Um, and that's the other part of this that I don't think enough people are, are you know, taking into consideration is that the defense, which is already a problem, is strictly worse by, uh, you know, by every measure. It's just not the same. It's not the same mix. And, you know, now you have Brandon Smith playing defense and it's like, okay, well... You know, Brandon Smith on his best day is not is not as good as Brady Shea was. And the other part, as you mentioned, watching Mark Stahl post that Shea trade has been 
has been rough, and you know I'm not here to make a scapegoat out of Mark Stahl, um, but it's I'm looking forward to us talking about him in the kind of you know what I mean? like the glowing like raising your beard to him like we did for for Dan Girardi, like just wow that guy was a warrior wow he was here forever, the injury he overcame all those things, his brother being a real prick and giving him a concussion. Way to go, Eric, you idiot. Um, and then he blew it with the Rangers, Tom. Yeah. Eric Stahl might be... You know what would be a fun article is just, like, five guys who have just fucked over the Rangers. Eric Stahl might be pretty high on that list. <laughs> of course, the coaching, you know, every... Elaine Vigneault and, you know, every coach would be up there, too. But, yeah, um... It is crazy to me that this team looked for a minute like, you know, they just set a franchise record for consecutive road wins and like all this momentum. It's like, hey, this is fun. Look how good. Oh, Booch is scoring. And then deadline, car crash, Kreider broken foot. Um, You know, it's like, holy hell, a lot has happened. I just don't think, I just don't think they have enough. And like, Tom, looking ahead, it's St. Louis on Tuesday. Capitals, Devils, which will be a layup. Dallas, Colorado, Arizona, Calgary, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus, Washington, Tampa, Florida. Pittsburgh might be the team that they try and catch up with because they've been, uh, they've not played that great as of late. And three six and one in their last ten. Yeah, three matchups against them. That's that's yeah, an opportunity. What is there? Three games in super early April, right? For the Rangers in the regular season, I think one is Philly, one one, is, one is Pittsburgh, and I forget the other one. But Blackhawks the last day of the season. Yeah, and that should be another game they can win, but or mm-hmm. should win, I should say. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that I think uh, you know looking at like Dom's most recent you know playoff. Uh, odds and Philly, I think, is right on top of it in for the Metro, and they should be. Like Philly has been on a roll, and you know Washington has also kind of struggled of late, and that's really one of the reasons why the Rangers have been gaining ground. Tom, like Columbus is two four and four in the last ten, Islanders three five and two, Caps four five and one, Pittsburgh three six and one. The only teams winning in the Metro right now are the Rangers, Devils, and Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know why the Devils decided to go six two and two in their last ten after they just gave up everything um, after their ridiculous off season, which by the way a little bit a little bit of Schadenfreude but not too much. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is crazy to think that the Rangers, who are technically in seventh place in the division, Tom, are not ruled out of the playoffs. Got like a thirty six to forty percent chance. According to predictive models, they're staying alive. They're staying uh, alive, like the Bee Gees up in here. Yeah, they're they're in the in the hunt still. And tomorrow's game against St. Louis, uh, which you'll be going to, which you know I, I'm I'm happy for you. You get to see uh, the Rangies up close. It's in many ways, it's the Rangies. Every game going forward, it's important because they can't afford to remain stagnant because as easy or as um quickly as they jumped out of the hole it's very easy to fall 
uh, back down again. And I, I just wonder if when when do they when do they you know call Uncle? Um, and the reason I bring that up uh, to transition to our, our next topic is Ooh. there are reports that Igor's taking uh, shots to the lower body. Uh, why? Why? Why would like, they rush this kid back? Like, here's the thing. I'm no medical professional. I never pretended to be. Uh, never wanted to be a, a doctor. But inherently, I would think that there's no chance risking anything. Because who's to say that an NHL player, oh, I'm going to shoot low on uh, Igor. What happens if one just slips and, you know, goes a little high and hits him in the chest and, uh, you know, causes some discomfort? I think, why the risk? Especially when you have Georgiev and Lundqvist. Why not let... I don't know. Like, to me, I understand, you know, wanting your best chance of making the playoffs and, you know, what it would mean to this group of young players if they made the playoffs, might even be more valuable than moving up a couple of spots in the draft, right? Yeah. Like you can make a strong case for that. But my whole thing is just, didn't you got to, at some point, look at this organization's history of either allowing or subtly encouraging players to play when they're nowhere near 100%. Like, it's hockey. Not everyone's going to be at 100%. But, you know, most people, I'm sure, are throughout the season are like 90% with bumps and bruises and broken fingers and toes and all the shit you have to go through. But gosh, let it, let, it's a broken rib. He had a car accident. Let him, let him pack it in. Let, you know, like, let's say, all right, maybe we'll see in three weeks, but don't rush this kid back. It just, it just, it screams of, you know, short-term gain and, you know, taking an unnecessary risk or a gamble. I, I don't want the Rangers to do that. Um, it, especially when you have Lundqvist like, and Georgiev. I don't know, Tom. It would be... I don't know. I, I know I've talked about this to death, but Kevin Shattenkirk playing on one kneecap in his first season in New York is a tough, a tough thing to overlook. Um, for a team that frequently boasts about how great its medical staff is, um, you know the best in the world. They, you know, players range and rave, and you know it's something they talk about on MSG networks. Like you know, we have the best medical staff. Bop it bop it bop. I don't know how you let a guy play on one kneecap, Tom, and then you just say, you know what, you're playing really shitty. We're gonna scratch you. Ah, fuck you, and uh, you know, I guess we'll shut him down for the year. By the way. The injury that's bothering him has been the injuries had since October. You know what I mean? I don't see why you would rush Igor back. I just don't see... Like, is Igor with really sore going to give you a better chance to win hockey games than Georgiev? Or if you let Lundqvist earn a chance to get back into form? I don't know. Yeah, because, like, if if by all accounts and some, a bunch of people sign off like, hey... This is what the injury was because I guess, I guess part of it too is they said that it would be reevaluated in two weeks and maybe they look out and say, you know what, this wasn't as bad as we thought. Um, here's how things have gone and we're advising that he be out, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, 
and say that it's only two more weeks or, or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think that obviously if there is a risk, I would hope and I would think that they would not put him in, but I would be even more cautious because you don't want a situation where it's like, yeah, he's hurt for longer. And then, oh, by the way, you have to th- decide what you're doing with Gargiv. And, oh, by the way, you have to figure out something with Hank, too. You don't want to create more headaches than uh, are actually necessary. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way to put it. This is just a... Uh, furthermore, it could be an even bigger insult to Lundquist that, like, do you want to risk that? You know, on top of everything else? It just seems, I don't know, prickly, uh, less than ideal. Um, I don't know, we've talked for 50 minutes, but I wanted to throw a couple quick things at you, Tom. Are you ready? I'm going to catch you up. I am, I am ready. All right, before the end of the season, do we see Vinny Letary again? I don't think so. Leas Anderson, Tom, eight points in 10 games in the SHL with HV71. Thoughts? Good for Leas. Um, glad that he looks happier. Um, anyone who follows him on Instagram, you know, can see the smiles, the general positive disposition, um, and the results on the ice are good. I hope that this is a situation where he can uh, can move forward, and whether it's with the Rangers or not um, remains to be seen. I think they'll try and work things out and um you know if not then find a a landing spot that uh makes the most sense for him tom the new york rangers have a 23.4 percent success rate on the power play that is sixth in the league i am now going to look up when the hell the last time they did anything remotely like that (laughs) because it feels like most of my life I think this is probably the thing I have the greatest hyperbole for in terms of like a, a skewed memory is the Rangers power play has always been terrible. Um, but I just went back, Tom, to the 1994-1995 season. Have the Rangers done better than 23.4% in that time, do you think? Um, I feel like there was one year with Vigneault that they were about 24%, but I could be mistaken. So, this is the best this power play has been since the 93-94 season. In 93-94, they had a 23%. So, actually, this is better than 93-94. And then, the the most recent season that was also pretty good, it was 2017-18. Okay. It was 21.2. Okay. So, that was... Vino's last year, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. That is, mm-hmm. it, it just, I mean, also they have a 78.4% penalty kill, but I don't, let's not talk about that, Tom. Let's talk about how good yeah. the power play is at, at goals in hockey and how nice it is to have a Mika Zibanejad and an Artemi Panarin and all these nice things. So it's crazy, right? We haven't seen this in a very long time. Yeah, and I I just wonder what what'll be like if uh, Adam Fox got some regular time on the top unit. Tom, you're negative. This podcast is too negative. No. All they do is complain. 
I'm saying how much better it could even be. Like, this is something, like, amazing. Like, this is, like, taking, you know, a triple fudge cake, and we're, now it's a triple fudge cake with all kinds of ice cream on top. Well, see, hear me out, Tom. I, Oreos, everyone loves Oreos. Oreos are vegan, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Um, but, I, like, I, I love double stuff Oreos. That's right in my wheelhouse. If you get into like triple stuff or mega stuff, you can have too much of the cream. There is <laughs> there is a perfect Goldilocks zone. There's a perfect wheelhouse for cream. You can have too much of it, Tom. That's just all I'm saying. I'm going to have to see if I can find this, but I had actually shared something with uh, Shayna where someone took the mega stuff Oreos and they literally took out all the fill filling oh and they God. they like stacked it between uh, a cookie and it was just like oh, no. yeah that, I almost gagged right there I want you well this person did something pretty suggestive which I'm surprised they didn't gag um, but yeah it's uh, oh, heavens, Tom. this is a family show um, what else was I gonna uh, mention um, that was I think that was it for like the quick hot hot shots to throw your way other than the fact that uh, Panarin has 90 points yeah, it's uh, that's that's a lot of points. I don't think do he'll think catch he... Yager, but he, yeah, that... he's gonna get a hundo, which is fucking amazing. We'll uh, get one ten. Yeah, could he? Could he finish? Well, what's the second highest after Yags? Jean Rattel had one oh nine. Messier had one oh seven. Yags one twenty three is the best, of course. So. Can Pan- Panarin catch Rattel? Although, to be fair, Rattel did it in 63 games. But then again, back in the early 70s, yeah, no one knew how to lift the hockey puck. And goalies were wearing outfits that made them look like scarecrows. But, all things considered, it would still be pretty boss to crack 110 points. I think he could do it. Uh, he has to stay healthy, and things have to go well for it to happen. But he could do it. What about Mika? What do you think he ends up with? Well, Mika's fun because he just set a new personal best, right? He had, what is it now, 31 goals he's at? Yeah, he uh, keeps on setting no, 32. new... 32. He's at 32. So oh, that's right. Bitch. He's uh, pretty good for you know someone that some people don't consider to be a number one center. Yeah, I don't know. If Mika Zibanejad isn't a number one center, I don't know what more he would have to do. Um, he's played 30 fewer games than last season, Tom. And he's only nine points behind what he had last season. It is just like... And can you imagine... And although I guess there's could be case to be made that you would have some dil- dilution by having them together, but if Panarin and Zibanejad played together for an entire season... Yeah, it's like a much smaller scale version of do you keep McDavid and Dreisaitl together that debate mm-hmm. like do you keep in you know in Washington's case with Backstrom and Ovi when Kuznetsov took over as the center um, but I, I love the idea of spreading the wealth especially when you have a team of young guys you know having guys who are that dominant to to work with but I mean looking at Mika's numbers this year obviously the thing that stands out to me is you know 12 power play goals it's a lot. I like that a lot. Three shorties, too, which is just fucking dirty. Um, 
but he's leading all Rangers forwards in ice time, averaging 21-27. I don't know, could he catch 80? I think he'll catch 80, maybe even 85. Depends. Depends on how things keep rolling here. He did miss so much time, though, which is the real kick in the pants. You brought up Washington. Did you see the line that they rolled out? They had they had Ovi and Kuznetsov and Kovalchuk. That's fun. I love that Kovalchuk landed in Washington. Um, I also think that is one of the few well-handled things by Mark Bergevin, Mark Bergevin in his tenure there. Um, I mean, it's just fun to see Ovi and, uh, and Ko- Kovalchuk show up to games in suits together. <laughs> it's like, uh, almost like, like stepbrothers-esque. Yeah, exactly. It just, it couldn't get any more ridiculous. Like, all, all that's missing is, you know, like, Pavel Datsuk, you know, popping out of a trunk somewhere and joining the fun. Um, or Alex Semen. Alex Semen would be even better. Talk about a guy, what was he... It was in Carolina he signed after Washington. Oh, God, that contract. I mean, year one was great. Year one was great. And then, oh. Of course, most Ranger fans think Alexander Semin. They think the slap fight with Mark Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but man, oh, man. Memory lane. Anyway, we also have a mailbag to get to, Tom. Should we wrap up? Yeah, I have the updated list of patrons if if you want me to read them. You go for it. Normally it's my thing, but you've been taking over. Might as well nail it. Okay. With that, Adam Nahowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alice Kodalik, Amriel Kistner, Andrew Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner, Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Duzen, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Manino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, not going to happen, Igor Zavlowski, James Dangles, Jamie Bustle, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanek, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Lanholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sean, Stieg Bielbeck, Stink Flayman, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you. Know you. Like, like, half of our patrons have the names of, like, WWE wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The Tin Man, Tall Guy Rob. Oh, Kushtastic. Also, I'm big on the Alsh Leak reference. It was Daryl Powell last time. It's been Alex Ald. Oh my god! Yeah, Alex Ald, and I know what was it? It was Jeff Way Whitka or something. Yeah, uh, that was brilliant. But oh my god, man, Alsh Kodalik. Remember Alsh Kodalik and Alex Frolov? Yeah, the king of the wraparound. King of the wraparound. Yeah. All right, folks. Time for the next show, which you'll hear tomorrow. But Tom and I will record in a couple minutes. Take care. Bye.